Hey there, this is James. Welcome to Trumpet Dynamics. Telling the story of the trumpet in the words of those who play it. This is a special episode that I'm releasing today. This is with Greg Spence, the great Greg Spence in Australia. Well, for me, where I'm recording this, I'm in Vietnam, so he's more or less in my neck of the woods. Well, compared to the United States anyway, we're only three time zones apart, but here I am. And I'm excited to share this because I recorded this with Greg in, I believe it was the summer, or maybe the late spring of 2016. So it was well over five years ago. And I wanted to share this with y'all because Greg reached out to me and said, hey, James, where's that podcast that we did five years ago? <laughs> and I said, well, it's on my app. And that's the only place you can listen to it at the time or at the moment. And he said, well, that doesn't do me any good because he wants to download it and put it on his on his website and everything. And so I dug up the MP3 file. I found it in in my hard drive or in my archives. I don't remember exactly where I found it, but I found it. And I want to share it with you. This is a, I guess you'd call it a masterclass. It's not really an interview because I was looking at the audio you know, on the, the, the waveform on, on my computer. And I realized that I did very, very little speaking in this. And Greg just took the reins and he just did a killer job with it. And so I'm just, I, what I did was I just took out all of this, the few spots where I actually spoke in this thing. And I'm just going to let it, Greg, uh, t take it away with his mystery to mastery. It's, it's just a, it's really interesting. I'm going to be f frank with you and say that five years later, I don't remember exactly what Greg said, but um, if anyone knows Greg, he's, he's, a, he's an interesting cat, and um, I'm sure that this is going to be worth your time to listen to it. Now, I am bringing this to your attention because I'm really excited about this mobile app that I've already mentioned. Uh, apps are the wave of the future. I've heard people say that mobile apps are kind of like the new website, how like 20 years ago, everybody was clamoring, I don't know, maybe 15, 10, 15 years ago, everybody was thinking, oh man, I, gotta, I have to have a website. I have to get a website. And it seems like it's like standard issue. If you're going to be any type of entrepreneur, a musical or non-musical, you have to have a website. Well, I truly believe that mobile apps are have that same... Uh, status that websites had 10, 15 years ago. And so I've partnered with a, it's called a container app called Learnistic. And um, I, I love it. I, I love designing it and fooling around with it and uploading a lot of the stuff that I've recorded over the years. And it's no longer available on the web, but it's on my app. I have uh, a lot of the archives of the early days of this podcast, Trumpet Dynamics. There's a series of interviews I did called Secrets of the Musical Mind, which is chock full of uh, information about like world-class trumpeters share moments where they, they just didn't do very well. Also moments where they just killed it, where they were just in flow and they just just we're just on top of the world. They're on fire. And then each interview finishes with a kind of a lightning round type of uh, setting where it's rapid fire questions and they share their 
thoughts on what it takes to be a peak performer. So if you want to get in on this, it's uh, it's really cool. And the interviews are great. The app is easy to navigate once you go through the short registration process. And to get access to it, all you have to do is go to jamesnewcomontrumpet.com slash app. So it's jamesnewcomontrumpet.com slash app. And you're going to see a sign-up form. Enter your email address. That's where you're going to get instructions to download the app. You're, you are going to be added to my uh, newsletter subscription. So if you don't want to be on that, you can just unsubscribe if you want to. But I like to send emails, and people say that they like them, so maybe you'll like them too. And if you don't, it's okay. But uh, that's how you get access to the app. This is a new technology, and admittedly, I'm not the world's foremost expert on it. So there have been a couple of issues where people have some problems uh, logging in or signing up. All I can say is that if you have any issues at all, just send me an email, james at jamesnewcomontrumpet.com. And I'll hook you up. It's jamesnewcomontrumpet.com slash A-P-P. And that's where you go. You register. Very short registration process. Just like you sign up with any new software. You have to register with a new account and everything. Once you get past that, that's it. You've got the app. And you've got access to the writings and the interviews that I've done. Got up there. So Greg's is among the interviews that you find on the app. But uh, since I'm sharing this with you, I wanted to give the hard sell on the mobile app. So again, it's jamesnewcomontrumpet.com slash app. And I have run my mouth far too long. So let us turn us turn it over to Greg Spence. And he is going to give a very thorough and very eloquent description of his flagship program called Mystery to Mastery. Here we go. Let me just start by saying, uh, you said uh, through the start of your question, you must have found it a, a mystery, and, and, and now you've mastered it. <laughs> That's far from the truth, my friend. I am no master, but I, I've learned a lot, and if I hadn't been doing this for a long time, I'd be a lot better player than what I am. That being said, I've, I, I've, I play at a reasonably high level, and I've learned a heck of a lot uh, from from the process and yes i did find it a mystery i i remember after hearing maynard that first time i i think i said in a previous uh, another podcast that i i heard a note actually that no, was a, a video i saw it the other day i heard this sound that sounded like a trumpet but it was higher and it was maynard playing fire shaker and it's like i'd never heard anything like that before and going from you know buzz your lips together, which instantly I do that, I feel the contraction of the abdominals and a tightness in the throat. And uh, if you listen to James Stamp, or Roy Popers, great book on teaching of James Stamp, he didn't want that at all. He wanted, and he also stressed that the lips didn't make any sound in the mouthpiece. Uh, I could talk about that one for ages, but um, it was just the fact that I heard this sound and I couldn't do it. Then I got the trumpet and I heard James Morrison and I used to, he, his first album, James Morrison at the winery, I could sing you every solo and every band uh, um, 
section on the whole album. You know, I could probably transcribe it off by heart, but um, I couldn't play like that. It's like, what's going on? How, how do they do this? And so for years and years, even I, I came down to college and I was given the Caruso staff and the Maggio staff and it, it, there were the, the methods that were uh, all in favour at a particular time. And I'm not saying they're not great. There's All these methods have got heaps to offer. But I was not getting the results that I wanted. And I'm reading books that are saying his posi- position of the tongue and Schlossberg going, ah, yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I just don't get it. I don't get it. It's not working for me. And here I am slamming the horn onto my face and being told that you've got to get stronger and stronger. And I'm, I'm, I'm almost killing myself playing and getting migraines. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's one guy I had a lesson off and he used to practice at the end of the bed until he fell over. He'd pass out. And lo and behold, we do a gig together and he passed out after playing a double high B at the end of Brazil. And he announced it to the audience before he fell over on top of the trombone section and sent slides and music stands flying onto the dance floor. So that was enough for me to realise that that wasn't the uh, the avenue that I wanted to go down with my development because I'd also been watching Alan Vizzuti and he's the, you know, talk about efficiency and he was the um, the complete opposite spectrum to to the fall over and pass out at the end of the bed kind of thing. So I was just really massively confused. Uh, and so when, uh, jumping forward, I'd written the book and, and my editor has gone, well, you need to give it a name. And uh, I'm, what on earth am I going to call it? It's such a, you know, brass playing's a mystery I want to get better mystery to mastery. Hey, that's cool. It happened in one second and I went with it. So it just sort of jumped into my head and it's offended a couple of people. Uh, a high-profile teacher, an amazing trumpet player, sent me an email going, Greg, you've got to be careful not to expect mastery from your students. So it's um, there, there's no other, <laughs> there's no intention behind my name other than giving it a name for the sake of having a name, but it's got a certain ring to it. Um and I don't expect mastery. I, I offer the opportunity for people to expand their playing by understanding a few simple principles. Anyway, so the mystery was definitely there. I remember the day back in the brass band where I walked into the hall and said, after today, I am going to be able to play a high F whenever I like. For the rest of my life, I will be able to play a high F after today. And the doors were open. It was the middle of summer. It was really hot. And I proceeded to do basically the opposite of everything that I teach to try and play these notes. <clears throat> and I did it for hours and put the cornet down. This was on the cornet, mind you. And, of course, that did more damage than than good. And so I just I had to go down this path of learning what it's all about. I was intrigued by the, the craft of brass playing and and why some people can play the way that they do and others, no matter how much love and effort they put into it, they can't get there. Why is that? We've all got air, we've all got lips with muscles and whatever. It's a pretty simple system. Uh, Why do we struggle? And so I started to research and I read many methods and uh, both modern and old and uh, read some some physics books to a degree. I think I know about 
0.0001% of the stuff in the, the, the books that I read, but it was enough to answer the questions that I had. I asked uh, uh, Bobby Shue and a few other high-profile people about uh, some of the physics things, and uh, people are really cool if they can see that you're genuinely interested in this stuff. And uh, a guy named Chuck Howard sent me an email. He's a friend of Bobby's who's uh, uh, he's done physics and he's a trumpet player. And I got onto the University of New South Wales acoustics department. I learned a lot out of them. And by changing my understanding of the system allowed me to let go of preconceived ideas and approach playing in a different way. Now, does that work straight away? Of course not. But it opened the door. And I was told uh, another thing that I do naturally, which before internet and uh, access to such amount of all the information that's around, I used to tongue with the tip of my tongue behind my lower teeth. So the middle part, which I call the forward arch of the tongue, would touch the roof of the mouth and release the air. And the tip of the tongue would stay behind the low teeth. It's now called K-modified tonguing, because if you say K, 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 koala, kangaroo, the tip of the tongue is behind the lower teeth. So all of my teachers down uh, in Melbourne were saying, you've got a tongue behind your top teeth. And I couldn't do it. And that got me to a point where I remember in second year university, I sat uh, down in my studio and went, Greg, just come to terms with the fact that you are not going to make it as a player. You are anatomically not able to play. It's not your fault. You're into it, but you're very limited by what you're going to be able to do because you can't articulate correctly. So lo and behold, <clears throat> one of the books that I read was Brass Playing's No Harder Than Deep Breathing by Claude Gordon. And what happens in there? Arben, Herbert L. Clark, all these amazing players and teachers, all tongued with the tip of their tongue behind the bottom teeth. And they use the middle part of their tongue to articulate. And I remember getting goosebumps when I read that. It was like, oh, my God, you know, that is outrageous. That is the opposite of everything I ever thought. And all of a sudden, my whole outlook on playing changed and I'm, I have got the tools I just didn't realize that I had the tools and so I started to learn about that and so the arch tongue there for a while was was something that I spent a lot of time focusing on blindly just looking around trying to find any information on it and it it answered some questions I really felt when I started to focus on the arch tongue oh yeah that's that's uh, that's working that's working but then um, there's more to it because, as, as you know, and, and people that are sitting at home listening to this going, Greg, that doesn't work. I've tried it for years. It's part of the equation. It's not the whole equation. And so then I started, this is when the physics books came along and learning out the, learning the, the, the role of the aperture and and how the lips form the aperture and, and what's actually going on there to a basic degree, nothing too complex. It's a really complex system if you get deep enough. There are millions of processes going on. However, we can 
we can hone in on a couple of them that we can feel and then we can recognize. And I go, well, the air must come out. The lips must oscillate sympathetically on an airstream, quote Arnold Jacobs, Song of Wind. Um, and all these, all these different methods go, lead with the air, the lips respond to the air, the lips are the vocal cords of the instrument. Uh, it's like, what's going on here? Because I was a totally a driven player until in first year university, I got lucky enough to, to meet Bobby, uh, Bobby Shue up in Queensland. And the main thing I took away from that lesson after walking in and saying to him, Bobby, I think I'm doing a lot of things incorrectly and really badly. An hour later, I walked out going, yep, I was right. <laughs> and, and he goes, where's your air going? And I buzzed my lips together. And I said, oh, hitting my feet. And he goes, right, you need to get it out straight. And that's pretty much the, uh, the thing that triggered uh, my research to go, yeah, I knew that I was doing it incorrectly. That whole concept of getting the air out straight, he drew a little target and put it on the wall and I had to, to, to get the air to stay next to the wall, uh, get to the air to <laughs> hit this piece of paper that had a target on it and keep it on the wall. He spoke about the wedge breath, but I wasn't, I wasn't ready for it back then. But all I remember was, uh, wow, that, that works. Because obviously Bobby played and was ridiculous. And I saw what he was doing and heard what he was doing and, and realized that uh, it's a, an entirely different process to what I'd, I'd done instinctively and with a little bit of uh, advice from, from some people in the, the, the country brass band. Um, so obviously being around players of a high caliber um, is going to help you develop a lot more quickly. Being a country boy uh, from country Victoria, uh, there weren't that many players around, especially not of the, the top end commercial line. So I was kind of really learning it for myself, to be honest. And anyhow, so it all, it, it, it all sort of went along to uh, a point where my teeth were closing up. So I ended up making some stuff out of dental putty to whack between my teeth to keep my teeth open a little bit. And I couldn't play like it. It felt ridiculous. My jaw was too low. But after a couple of years of experimenting, I came to the conclusion because a change had to be made. And I'm playing lead trumpet in the big band and pushing it onto my face and not knowing whether a high C would come out on any given day. Um, and I sat down going, I know I'm working too hard. I, I, I get that I'm a real lips energy inefficient player. Um, and when you see a, a video, like even since YouTube was developed, you see an interview of Rafael Mendez going, um, never push the air harder than in general conversation. And then you go, okay, well, we don't really push the air in general conversation at all. We take a breath and it comes out naturally. And then you put that together with the lips of the vocal cords of the instrument. Okay, well, let's consider that for a while. And uh, so I've got all these, you know, over the years, all these different thoughts. But even going back when I was making this transition, um, which was in 19, uh, 
when was it? 2004, I put the book out. So I started making the change about 2001, 2002, whilst I was playing a television show and doing professional theatre. So I'm sitting there, stuffed between my teeth to keep my teeth open, air direction straight out. Now, if people have seen the, the website, they'll see the, the tissue and the visualiser and the mouthpiece and lead pipe, all that sort of stuff. It's all developed from sitting there going, air has to come out, I don't want my teeth to close. And even putting something small between my teeth, it felt like my jaw was a foot wide, you know, and, and there was no way that I could play. But I knew in theory that it would have to work. The physics of it was sound, but the feeling of it was insane. But eventually you have to give up on your preconceived ideas and go, okay, what do I, how do I do this? How do I learn? The only way to do it is to let go, completely let go and basically throw, well, put, not, not throw away, put aside um, your instincts or your preconceived ideas and internalise what's going on. Lots of eyes closed. Internalise what, where the triggers of inefficiency are and quite often the triggers of inefficiency are looking at your trumpet case before you get it out. Um, there's like the <laughs> there's a there's a great book. Oh, hang on a minute. You still there? Oh, good. I just got an antivirus message. Sorry about that. Um, uh, I'm reading. A, I've read about thirty times now in the last six months, and I've I've got just about every one of my favourite lines from the book, both on my iPad and all over the place. Um, Zen in the Art of Archery, fascinating book if anyone wants to figure out how the brain works and how our emotions work. It's a fairly powerful book. And there's one line in there um, uh, along the lines of overcome by a premonition of failure. <laughs> and uh, there, there can be anxiety built up uh, just walking towards the, the, the trumpet case. Uh, let alone getting the horn out and putting the mouthpiece in and trying to play. Um, so trying to figure out where the triggers are for inefficiencies because I wanted to let everything go. I was just so tired of beating my head against a brick wall and getting nowhere. And, man, I practised. Anyone that was at college when I was there knew that I was really passionate about practising and, and improving my craft as a, as a, as a brass player because they couldn't not um, <laughs> not hear me because it would be pretty loud, some of the things that I was doing. <laughs> and, again, what I teach now is basically the opposite of everything that I was doing at university to try and develop the skills. Um, so I was sitting there one day after reading the, the uh, Brass Playing's No Harder Than Deep Breathing, putting it all together in my head with all these different, you know, how the... The chops don't have to touch. They sympathetically oscillate on the airstream, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I've gone, right, I'm prepared to sit here for the next six months. I'm not leaving this room until I can let go and play a note uh, with this thing between my teeth and without pinching the middle of my lips together. So that's where I've developed the kind of the ah, and wah, 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 things like that to draw attention to what I call the aperture corners 
where the air stops coming out basically. So working on that without going into that pinch of the top and bottom lip together. And so I sat there, tissue in hand, moving air straight at it. And then I, I always sort of had a little secret desire to play trombone, don't tell anyone. Um, so I sat there and lo and behold, it works uh, on the trombone. Like if I grab my mouthpiece now, of course, because of the size of the lips and the size of the mouthpiece, if I just, you know, do the ah-oo and move some air, the lip will go into a degree of oscillation without any pinch in the middle. But that doesn't happen because of the narrow uh, width of the trumpet mouthpiece. Um, that doesn't happen uh as naturally and we tend to want to just grip the middle of the lips and pinch it to to play it and in fact at the start when i was in the brass band uh they gave me a mouthpiece that's the first thing they did give you mouthpiece and go away and learn how to play it and i couldn't get a sound out of it and my sister picked it up and she i remember her walking around the house going and i'm sitting there going isn't the irony thick? She's now a physical trainer, but she's a trained uh, biochemist. And she's owned a bottle shop and she does HR. She does everything. She just picks up stuff and does it like she did the mouthpiece. She's one of these clever people. Uh, she got the brains. I got the looks. Oh, hang on. Maybe that's not true either. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I sat there this particular day and trombone, closed my eyes, good breath, uh, going through this transition, I was really into the Arnold Jacob stuff, working on the Voldine and, and all these spirometers and everything to go, if I'm going to make a realignment of my chops, I want to make sure that I've ticked all the breathing boxes and you know work on a bit of posture and stuff like that. So I was doing quite a lot of reprogramming. So at the, at the time, the whole term new, um, neuroplasticity, I, I don't think was around. And if it was, I, I didn't know about it, you know, but just the, the retraining, the reprogramming that I was going through was very, very deep and I didn't realise it, um, but I'd got to a stage where I needed it. And that's the interesting part. We're trying to teach people the efficiency approaches and, and, and letting go and going through these concepts can be challenging because they haven't got to the point that I got to, but I can recognise in them exactly what I was doing and what they need to do. Um, so some people often think I'm a little mad when I get them to hum and sing and and do all these owls and stuff, but I don't mind. I can, I know that it works. <laughs> so anyway, I sat there, played the trombone. What does it feel like? What am I doing? And pick up the trumpet and refuse to grip. Refuse to grip. It was all about the process. I'm not going to grip in the middle of the lips because the more you pinch the lips together, the more pressure you've got to put them under from the abdominal muscles to push the air to get the note to speak. And that instantly is a degree of, it's the same as talking to you like this, we're strangling ourselves. And I did it for years and years and years. In fact, I, I played um, the whole time I was in the brass band with a condition called the Valsalva Maneuver, which is basically uh, engaging your abdominal muscles and closing your throat go like that and that's what we do when we lift up a heavy weight and that's the body's way of protecting the spine when we lift up something heavy but it's not conducive to in uh, effective brass playing 
So basically, I'm gonna, I haven't played today at all. It's early in the morning here, but I'm going to Valsalva up. And so basically, the whole time I'm doing this, I'm going, <gasps> and my throat's closed. Now, somehow, uh, when I'm tonguing, it's, I'm, I'm letting air come out. And believe it or not, I'm, I've been getting together with a, a really top-notch vocal professor here in Melbourne, and we're going to the Monash University Medical Centre, and we're going to put a camera down my nose into my throat while we're playing so that's going to be really fun but it'll be interesting to see what's going on um because at the moment i'm gonna i'm gonna play something now and it's just going to be velsolva as soon as i finish my body's in that position and i'd play entire gigs like it and the higher you try and play the louder you try and play the worse and worse and worse and worse it got Versus now, after going through the process, getting rid of that and realizing once you don't have the the uh, the pinch at the middle of the lip, the system can open up. And you can hear and feel the difference instantly. I, I don't know whether you could pick anything up over the over the mic, but it's it's ridiculous in the room here. The feeling of it and the process of it is completely different. It's like two different instruments. So in order to uh, get rid of that Valsalva condition, I had to figure out why it was being triggered. And basically, it's the sound of the trumpet that triggers all these inefficiencies. And so I had to sit there and allow myself to actually think about playing whilst opening everything up in the system, in the, in the body open throat and relaxed shoulders and, you know, just resonant, resonant body. So I was using the, the Voldine, as I said, and the spirometers and everything in the, the rebreathing bag to, to learn how to do this. Now, again, some people look at my site and go as a salesman for, for all these breathing tools. Trust me, if um, you want to make a million dollars, don't try and buy breathing bags and spirometers and sell them to you know what you sell them for what you're paying for them to try and make money because it doesn't work but my god they as far as um retraining the brain and developing new sensations uh they're invaluable i can't do my teaching without these tools everyone has to have them because if you've got inefficiencies in the body another famous uh uh uh, mental blank. Um, Chicago Symphony tuba player, help me out. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the sun's out. I think it's um, it's getting to me today. It's been raining for a week. The sun's come out. My brain's shut down. Um, yeah, Jacobs uh, goes. The the instrument stimulates old habits. It does. It's it's a, it's the mental version of the premonition of failure as well. The instrument stimulates old habits. If you want to change habits, put the damn instrument away and figure out what the body's doing. I, I always say, as long as the trumpet's clean, the trumpet is perfect. It's fine. Every single day, it's consistent. It does the same thing. And referring to myself, it's just the clown behind it that makes things difficult. And so if, we, if this clown learns what it needs to do and can be de a degree of consistency as well with a good understanding of how the system works, then you're going to be a lot more consistent in your approach. And there's another great line in the um, 
the Zen in the Art of Archery book, uh, relying on favourable conditions <laughs> that day where you actually muscles, your muscles feel good. So I had a good day today or I had a bad day today. That's ridiculous. But we all, we all live that. You know, we're, we're going on how we feel to get through a gig and that's not conducive to consistent, consistent results. So sitting there, I'm drawing this out a long time, aren't I? Sorry. <laughs> sitting there, uh, trombone, trumpet, no note. Trombone, trumpet, no note. Thing between my teeth, moving air, refusing to push, refusing to pinch. Hum a note. What does it feel like? Copy that. Eyes closed. Play trombone, play trumpet. Play trombone, play trumpet. Put it down. I am not going to try and own this result. I'm not going to... I refuse... Like if, the, if I wanted to play a note with this thing between my teeth, I could have easily done it. But I knew that it would be a negative process because uh, it's just drawing on the way that I played for the previous 20 years. I had to let go. So I refused to make the change. Um, I, I wanted to let it happen as the physics book says it should. And so I just sat there and repeated it and repeated it and repeated it. And after about 25, could have been 26 minutes, out of the blue, I've just put the trumpet up, completely let go, let the air come out of the body, breath and release, and some magical kind of thing happened where that right combination of tongue position, aperture corner tension, which I, I wasn't using those terms back at the time, but the shape of the mouth just went into a position that allowed me to let go of the oscillator and it, this massive note just flew out of, the, out of the horn. And I did nothing. I didn't play it. I'd taken a breath and I'd let go, and this note was the easiest, biggest sound I'd ever made. And if you try and play, I do this often at university masterclasses, I'll play a loud note, and then you watch people trying to play loud notes, and the process is tighten the lips up more and push the air harder to play louder. That's if you Imagine doing that with your voice if you wanted to sing more loudly. I'm, I'm, sing, I'm not a singer, mind you, as you'll be able to tell, but I'm... I'm, I'm ah, and then... I want to sing louder, so I'm going to tighten my vocal cords and push the air harder. Ah! That's what we do on the trumpet. But that's the opposite of what we should be doing. So um, the, the moment that this note spoke, I put the instrument down and left the room. I was tingling with excitement because it was basically, I call it a coffee moment where you go and go away and have a coffee and think about just what happened. Because if you, if I was to attempt to do it again, I know that I would have manipulated to try and recreate it. And I didn't, I didn't try to recreate it in the first place. It was the not trying that, that made it happen. And, of course, we, we want to do it again because the ego all of a sudden goes, oh, I, I did it, I can do it again, I can do it again. And, of course, what do we do in trying to do it? We manipulate and we end up engaging old habits or failing and becoming frustrated, which turns the whole experience into a negative experience, which is silly after discovering something new. So it happened. I got the chills, unbelievable, walked out and said to my partner, I am going to write a book on this because this is, it's got to be around. It's, it's just, I'd never heard of it. And it's, it's 
insane. Um, so that was that was again about 1990, uh, 2002, and I've ever since then just been trying to refine my ideas and refine my own playing uh, based on on this experience. And the 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 coffee moment approach is something that we could we we should all do is when you've had a new experience, let the brain and the body absorb it. Don't try and do it again straight away. There's there's a, a beautiful thing in this the the Zen in the Art of Archery book, where this guy um, it's it's called loosing the bow when you when you shoot the arrow, but it's all got to be uh, you know you don't think about doing it. It's a natural process. That's the aim. And uh, one day he turns up after many years and he finally looses the bow in the correct way and the master just goes, great, let's go and do something else. And the guy goes, but hang on a minute, we've only just started. (laughs) He goes, yeah, but it was perfect. So why would you stuff up a great day? I'm translating from Japanese, by the way. Um, (laughs) Why would you mess up a great day? And a great beginning by trying to do it and 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 failing and becoming frustrated. So that's something to keep in mind when practicing. If it's something really new that you've been working on for a while, obviously we need to for beginners and, and intermediate players when you're developing your playing, you need to just you know put it on the face and, and, and play it and play it and play it. There's no substitute for hours on the face. But when you're refining um, uh, processes uh, as intricate as what we are as, as, as professional players, um, you, can't, you can't just choose to do something and then it's part of who you are. It takes – there's a guy I met, David Vining. Uh, you should check out his website and, and learn his experience he, he takes the 10,000 uh, repeats approach. If you're going to get something, make a process that's part of who you are, you've got to repeat it 10,000 times. And he should know because he's a, a trombone player uh, who developed focal dystonia as well, and he's overcome it. And he was a professional player in an orchestra and, and a professor at a university, and he lost his jobs from, from this damn condition. But he's learned to, come, to, to overcome it. And that's why, so when I was in the States last year, I'm talking to all these people and I'm like, wow, the, the process of dealing with this is the process inadvertently that, that I've been teaching myself and my students anyway. It's, it's just creating new neural pathways, new habits and more efficient habits. So um, there, as, as far as the horn goes, like the, there are, how many techniques are there? I've got I've got a little picture here that I use with my students. There's four factories, and each one of those factories has a particular role. And one of them is to create sound. One of them is to allow us to do harmonic slurs, which comes from a change in shape in the mouth. That this this conflicts a lot of people. Trust me. I I, I got up in front of a university in Ljubljana, Slovenia last year, and this one professor took. Uh, um, exception to what I was saying about you don't have to blow the trumpet and pitch change comes from the mouth. The body's got nothing to do with it. And it took me two days to convince him. But after he actually realized it, he hugged me and took me out for dinner. <laughs> so, and this guy in 1972 came second in the world 
Maurice Andre trumpet championship or some competition. So the guy could play, but he had set in his mind the way that the instrument worked. And when I basically said the complete opposite, it, it took a long time to convince him. And so harmonic slurs, if you think that it's going to, you've got to blow faster to play a higher note, good luck going. If you can blow faster on each one of those notes, uh, you're a better man than I. <laughs> it's just not possible. So that's, that's, a, that's a quick way of going. The body, the body provides volume and length of notes. The mouth shape changes pitch. So what are the four techniques? We've got the sound factory. We've got the harmonic slur factory. We've got the valves factory. And we've got the tongue factory. Now, it's really interesting that um, those factories can draw energy from each other where if I'm sitting there and just playing a long tone, that's the sound. Then if I want to do a harmonic slur, I don't want the feeling of, say, a low C to change. It still feels like playing a low C, except I've added, I've flicked a switch and we've gone into harmonic slur mode. And if we had the tongue, same thing. We shouldn't choke up, but as soon as um, we, we go to do some tonguing or multiple tonguing, we feel a restriction of the airflow and we start to go into this kind of feeling as opposed to it still feeling free. And the same when we put the valves down, we start changing notes and we, we affect the flow of air, which should be steady and free. So uh, basically, they're the techniques that we need to develop playing the horn. It's pretty simple. You've got to be able to tongue, you've got to be able to change valves, you've got to be able to slur, harmonic slur, and you've got to play with it with a nice sound. And so there's a million methods out there, and they'll all work if the process behind it is efficient and free. And if it's not efficient and free, doesn't matter what exercises you're doing, you're going to run into the same problems. And because manipulation and inefficiency is the killer of effective brass playing so it's all about the efficiency and then finding the trigger points of where a nice da -da 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 turns into a oh no and it happens somewhere on the horn whether it's on a low c on a middle c or a high c it happens somewhere and then once we uh figure that out then we can do particular exercises that are going to encourage inefficiency and you sit there and go no i'm not prepared to tighten the the body and the chest and the lips and blow hard to get this exercise to happen the outcome is just going to be the same outcome as you've had in the past so there's two sorts of ways that we can practice we can practice process driven which means i don't care if a note comes out of the instrument or not i know the process is correct and then there's results driven where this is the sound, get the sound and get the sound at all cost. Now, getting the sound at all cost must, uh, might not be the most efficient way of going about business. However, you're doing the other side of the practice, which is process driven, which is creating new neural pathways, new habits. And so over time, these processes drip feed through to your playing. So all of my lessons with, um, on Skype or here or even with myself, I start off humming, start off singing, and that's don't think anything. It's not complicated. Anyone can take a breath. Imagine a balloon 
blowing up. I breathe in. There's a full balloon. The air wants to come out. I'll hum. And in fact, thinking of that line, I want the lips to interact with the air the, as if they're the vocal cords. Check this out. Um, I'll hum. That was a nice guess. Right, so I'm going to hum the note, and then without doing anything in the body, I'm just going to let the, the I'm going to be set for a low C, and I'm going to let the vocal cords go, and then I'm going to hum, and then I'm going to let go, and then I'm going to hum, and I'm going to let go, but there's nothing going on in the body other than imagine a balloon getting smaller. The lips are literally playing the role of the vocal cords. That's a kind of a funky thing to... I don't, I don't generally get people to try to do that. It's more of a demonstration because the opportunity exists for a lot of uh, choking and manipulation to go on. Um, but as a demonstration, playing a low C is simply taking a good breath. Brass playing is no harder than deep breathing. <laughs> what a great name for a book. Uh, love it. Um, so it's just a matter of the whole principle of the mystery to mastery thing is, is understand the system. I'm trying to set just a, a simple psychology and understanding of a basic mechanical system. And I use the voice as a way of sort of learning uh, how to uh, let the, the reptilian part of the brain, the bit that goes, no way, I, I know how it works and what you're telling is nonsense. To, to overcome that, I like to do a hum. So there's a pool of air behind the, behind the vocal cords that's elastic. So you breathe in, air wants to come out. Then you've got the oscillation bit, which is the vocal cords. And for simplicity's sake, then you've got the head, which is the resonance bit. So you've got a pool of energy, oscillation, resonance. When we're playing, we've got the body, which is the pool of energy, the lips, which is the oscillation, and the trumpet, which is the resonance. We're merely extending the sound creation bit from the, from the voice to the, uh, to, the, to, the, to the lips. And I want it to literally feel exactly the same as I demonstrated just then. And in the process of of developing this is where does turn into oh man so that's the two mastery bit i'm not thinking that everyone's going to get to become a master if you want to you can if someone's really into it and they want to go all the way they can do it there's no reason why they can't listen to lots of music have the sand in your head william adam you know have a vivid understanding of the sound uh, that you want to create and let that, and that's the end game, that's what I want, is that the sound in the head uh, drives the muscle memory. We don't have to think about it. That's the, that's the spiritual enlightenment of, of, of brass playing, is hear the note, get it out. And I don't care if it's an improvised solo, you know, hide and trumpet concerto or playing in the mood. <laughs> it's just, if you hear it, you don't have to think about, um, you know, you, 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 you want to go and get a coffee. You don't have to think about moving one leg after the other. You just run to the kitchen and get the coffee. So um, uh, that's where we're aiming. But it's not that simple at times because there are these 
It's like the virus running in the background of your computer. You don't know that it's there, uh, but it's slowing the performance down. So if we can look through the system and go, oh, there's this, there's this virus running and it's affecting me, well, then we can clean it out. And the, and the results can be staggering. Some of the things that I saw up in, I was in Boulder at Northern Colorado University, and a couple of the guys there, some of the things that happened that day are the highlights almost of my teaching career of just seeing a small psychological shift make ridiculous uh, transitions to a person. Generally, you don't expect anything to happen on the day. You set a seed and then you back it up and, and over time it germinates. But on this particular time, just two guys, um, I saw things happen like their, the shock on their face was extraordinary. There's one guy's playing uh, high C trumpet excerpts and, and we did a couple of things and, and he played me this piece and I said, what's the problem? It sounds great. And he goes, the problem is I've never, ever been able to play that. And, and that's, that's the power of, of uh, a change in psychology. Um, but that's not to say that's going to work for everyone in one second, but it can happen with a rethinking about the way we're going about business. And again, disclaimer, this is all just for people that are having any, any issues with their, with their playing. Uh, if you're just frustrated or if you've, you've hit a point where I can't, I, I don't understand, why is this not working? My teacher is telling me that I'm not allowed to move anything except just my tongue and that changes pitch. Well, that's, that's not going to work for you because it's not, it's, that's like having a car with no wheels on it but you put your foot on the accelerator and, and you're going to go. There's, there's other parts to the machine that we need to consider. Um, but uh, it's just, yeah, it's just a way of, 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 of weeding out any inefficiencies. And I know my, my limits. I know where I work too hard um, and I'm working on it. And it's, it's, it's retraining after many years, uh, but I can feel the results happen. And when you've done three gigs for the day and they're three sets and you get to the end and you can still play another note. Uh, that um, means that the efficiency side of things has really kicked in. I was fascinated in Texas. People were going, Greg, I need to get stronger. I need to get stronger. Um, doing all the marching bands and stuff like that. And I was laughing at these you know, university kids that play eight hours a day. I said, you're joking. You don't need to get stronger. <laughs> you're too strong as it is. You just need to be more efficient. Because they're playing so inefficiently, trying to play so loud, that um, uh, they run out of gas real quick. But it's like, well, don't spend that much gas. You can get great results by embracing the physics of the thing and understanding how sound's created, not using brute force to, to, try, and, to try and force the result. Um, so that's, that's a really long-winded way of explaining where I'm coming from and, and, and how I go about implementing it, doing the four basic concepts of sound, harmonics, lures, valves, tongue, and slowly creeping up. The first book, it goes up by semitones. Anyone out there that's, that's used it, they'll know. It's strategic. It's like I, I'm uh, going to get the low C to G, and it's got to be free and resonant, and go up semitone by semitone. And that allows you to sit back and go, ah, oh, that's where I'm grabbing right there. Now, book one only goes up to a G at the top of the stave, and that can turn people off. But the crazy thing is if you can do it. I had a guy email me once. He'd watched the, the videos, and 
and uh, was digging the site. Great, great, can't wait to get your book. And, and uh, he had it for about a week and he emailed me going, oh, I guess, you know, I guess my expectation was pretty high. Or, I don't know. I was like, Look, it's good, but it's, you know. And I said to him, look, if, if you're not happy, you know, I'll give you money back. That's not a problem. Um, but before I do, uh, can you play the whole book up to speed with a really free, nice sound? That's all. If you can play it back to front, great. And two weeks later, he emailed me and said, Greg, can I have a lesson? <laughs> he just realized that, you know, something simple as simple as a harmonic slur, like it's been in the Arban for 150 years. People don't do them and then wonder why they, oh, I've never been able to do harmonic slurs. And then they ask the question, hey, Greg, when, you, when you're doing a, a shake in the, when you're doing a shake, how do you do that? Like, well, it's just a change of notes. It's just a harmonic slur. And oh, I've never been able to do them. And because when they're changing pitch, they're, they're blowing, trying to blow harder to, to change the pitch. They don't understand what's going on. So, of course, we manipulate to get the result. So the, the, the process is just one of strategically what can I do? I almost think of it. I haven't put this on the side or anything, but I, I say it to students occasionally. It's in my head. Green light, yellow light, red light range. The green light range is what you can do all day long at all volumes, great sound, free. No matter if someone's punched you in the mouth, you can still play the, the green zone. Yellow zone's the range where you can do it, but you can tell that it's a bit efficient, inefficient. The red zone is uh, notes where you might play it once in a blue moon, oh, you can really force and kill yourself to squeeze out these notes, but you do it for two minutes and then your chops are swollen up and you can't play anymore. And the whole thing that I'm interested in is based on a good understanding and a good sensation, a good feeling, expanding that green zone, recognising the yellow zone and experimenting with the red zone, but softly and, 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 and in a smart way, not a brute force way that I used to you know, do on a daily basis at, at, at college. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an understanding of the mechanics behind it. It's a recognition of some sensations and feelings within the body based on using the rebreathing bag or the, the I, I don't sell the, the, the Voldines because they're expensive. I've just got this little tri-flow spirometer, which is good for getting the breathing happening. Do some humming, do some singing, use a visualizer, use a tissue, it's brain training. The amount of times I've seen people manipulate just using the visualizer because the sense, the, the suggestion of playing exists in a visualizer and I've spent an hour getting the jaw down and getting the aperture corners in and losing the pinch and then as soon as they pick up a visualizer, trigger, snap, straight back into pinch mode because the, the visualizer is suggesting to the instinct part of the brain that we're about to play trumpet, so we better, and it's really interesting to witness that. And then that's to sit there and actually put the visualizer on the chops with a different feeling in the mouth is totally confronting. So we do that at the start, then we work through, go through the book as far as you can, uh, and then when you find that manipulation point, then you go, right, put it away. I've done the, the Greg nonsense for the day. 
Now, just keep doing what you've been doing. Just keep playing. Don't just stop playing. Keep doing, even though it's a bit inefficient, you've got to deal with that. When I was going through that, the, the, the stage of doing a chop change, all it made me realise was how inefficient I was and I'm doing. I remember standing on gigs going, man, I'm killing myself. It became more obvious because of these practices that I was doing that were completely free. But that point of difference is really powerful. This is what I want it to feel like. This is what I'm doing. It's okay, I'm working on it. We're not saving lives, we're just playing a bit of trumpet, so it's pretty cool.